Rewind with Oisín Langan. Jamie Barron has turned over. Colin Fenley just outside the 20 metre line. Moving up to the D. Walter Walsh might be in for a goal. Goal for Kilkenny. And they've levelled it up with a minute to go. It's all square. It's a draw. Kilkenny won 21. Waterford 24 points. What a game. It's hard, it's hard I suppose because we were so close. and That's what we kind of said. I thought that's before the game. is couldn't try me in the game I suppose. And we were so close. We had, we had it in touching distance I suppose and, and, and that's just a great tribute to Kilkenny This is the Rewind on News Talk coming up Paddy Mulligan is back and he'll preview the upcoming Premier League season which kicks off next weekend don't forget live and exclusive Premier League matches every Sunday on Off The Ball we've got Gaelic football with Jason Byrne of the Irish Sun but first we'll talk hurling and Waterford and Kilkenny will meet again in the All-Ireland semi-final next Saturday night at 6.45 in Thurlis 121 to 24 points the final score after the game I caught up with Kilkenny defender Paul Murphy and Waterford manager Derek McGrath but first it is Kilkenny boss Brian Cody Obviously we came to win the game they came to win the game so both teams were going home disappointed that you know we didn't get to the other in final today but it's like you now as if today it goes out to win the now because both of us are in the other in semi-final the same as we were a few hours ago so that's that's reality now and we'll meet again Derek McGrath Waterford manager um, I asked Brian Cody what his feeling was happy, sad or indifferent I'll ask you the same question uh, I, I'll tell you my answer when he tells you <laughs> tells you what he what you say to me. No, no, um, mixture of emotions. Obviously, like um, initially a little bit disappointed uh, based on not being able to close the game, but very proud of the lads' efforts and and absolute diligence they showed all the way through the game and and hunted in packs for for the period of the game. But listen, don't believe in hiding emotions too much. Initially, we were disappointed when we got into the dressing room. There was a great reaction from the players in terms of um, the confidence that can be kind of gained from the performance, the level of performance, and. The general perception will be that we've lost our chance that Kilkenny, you know, don't lose re- replay. So in many ways, it's 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 it'll be under the radar again for for whenever the replays, you know. You thundered into them today for two reasons. One, I suppose you wanted to prove a point to yourselves within the group, and two, you went 15 on 15. I know that you think we get obsessed with systems. You had a good chat with Joe Malloy about this before the game, but there was a notable difference in how you set up today. Yeah, we, I don't know if we go 15 or 15, but I, I leave that argument as I say for another day. But yeah, you're you're. We pushed on Puckett certainly, yeah, and and um, yeah, it was it was it was it was a a year in the in the planning, shall we say? This time last year, we kind of would have said if we get back there, that's just this the way we'd approach it. So, as I said, um, we haven't roost or we haven't we haven't kind of led people down a garden path in the, our approach. We're not smart enough to do that, but yeah, that's what we did, and and we went at them, and we tried to be deep, yet we tried to be kind of on the front foot as well. But um, that's a difficult shape to to keep for the whole game. I thought 67 minutes where there was a period where we just came a little bit deep early early on I think Owen Larkin and Richie Hogan them came very deep as well and they got some key possessions I thought you know so listen it's it's, it's a brilliant situation to be in looking forward to a, a, another match next week or, or two weeks time it's brilliant you know Paul Murphy of Kilkenny has quite kindly uh, joined me here Paul you look very calm calm after the storm I think it's fair to say I suppose all the talk after this game will be about Waterford because of the way they lined out differently today we will talk about Kilkenny in a second but first of all what kind of challenge did Waterford pose to you today that maybe they didn't do in the past certainly not at this stage last year in the All-Ireland semi-final well, I suppose maybe they just threw off the shackles. Last year would have been a lot of their first times. I mean, the likes of Austin Leeson, these lads, you know, playing um, senior All-Ireland semi-final, you know, which is a daunting task. But look, they just seemed to hurl very freely out there today. They threw off the shackles and they just, you know, they were taking their scores very well. They were hungry for the ball. And, you know, they just looked like a real serious outfit there today. And they did last year as well, but I suppose it just didn't hold it up for the 70 minutes as well. But they were right there till the end today. And I suppose it was us that was hanging in, really. You used the ball well, especially towards the end of the game. And you worked that goal really well. And it came after Waterford had a near miss which I think went to Hawkeye talk to me about how you saw that from your area of the pitch looking back as that the ball moved forward 
Um, yeah, I suppose it, it, it's very hard. There were so many bodies down around that end, it's very hard to see where the opportunity is going to come from. But I saw lads were running off the shoulder, and that's always a good thing. You know, if a fellow player has the ball and there's players running off the shoulder, you're always going to create something, you know. And thankfully, you know, Wally got the ball and Colin was running off his shoulder, and Wally kept going on the run, you know. And it was just, you know, it was great control in a tough area with a lot of players coming at him. And, you know, Stephen O'Keefe came out and made a, a brave challenge on Wally, but Wally just kept a cool head, really, and just kept it out of the way of Stephen O'Keefe, didn't hit it straight at him, you know. So, look, it was fair play to the forwards. It couldn't have been easy to work the goal but it was well worked if there's such a thing is that a pleasing draw for Kilkenny because Waterford had the lead almost throughout the game and they had the chances to win it but you hung on in there and you got the goal and you did what was necessary without playing particularly well today yeah look I suppose when you're tested in every aspect really you know we've won a few matches there and we've won them well and playing well um, it's great as well it's supposed to be tested in this angle of you know when we are down by a few points coming back and you know we left it a bit late but you know we'd rather leave it a bit late and actually draw the match than just you know not putting up any sort of a challenge at all um, yeah I suppose it's, it's just it's a funny old feeling really there's a lot of stuff going through your head we had a chance to win it they had a chance to win it so I suppose look it's just the fact that both teams have another chance to, to go at this again is really what they'll, they'll take from it How much do you look at your own performance after a game like this? You always look at your performance, even if you played, you know, if you, if you won by 10 points or lost by 10 points, you always look at your own performance. And certainly, look, you know, every player on that pitch today could walk off and say, I could have got this ball, or I could have got that ball. But, you know, coming towards the end, when you get tired. Do you look at it yourself? Will you look at the replay yourself on your own without being told to do so? Um, I don't know. It's hard. Sometimes I do look back on it. You know, sometimes I'd be curious to see a certain 10 minutes, certain 15 minutes, or whatever it might be. So um, I haven't thought about it yet. I might go home this evening, I might just sit down, I might throw it on for a few minutes, and I might not. I don't, I don't know yet, but it's really, it's, it's not a hard and fast rule that you have to look at it you know this is the Rewind podcast on News Talk in there you heard from Kilkenny defender Paul Murphy Kilkenny manager Brian Cody and uh, Waterford boss Derek McGrath in the intro by the way that was Austin Gleeson speaking I don't think I clarified that at the time what a game he had former All-Ireland winner with Wexford Ursula Jacob joining me now on the Rewind Ursula that was quite the game wasn't it in Crow Park the game we've been waiting for I think it's fair to say well, look, I think we can all say, you know, it's the standout game in the Hurling Championship so far this year, uh, you know, up to this game. Most of the games, you know, were, were, you know, dour affairs and, you know, people were nearly questioning, you know, the structure of the championship and what they're going to do and what's, what's you know, happening in Hurling and, you know, the sweeper systems and all that. But I think yesterday, you know, Watford played a big part in, in the game yesterday because, they hurled with, you know, a lot more freedom than they had been up to this point. You know, in the Munster final, obviously, you know, they, they, they seem to be hurling kind of with a, with a fear. And yesterday, they kind of just expressed themselves and re- released the shackles. And they contributed massively to the game yesterday. And, you know, obviously, Kilkenny, you know, played their part too in the fact that, you know, they stuck at it even when things were, weren't going, you know, their way. And, you know, uh, they, they showed kind of, you know, why they're the All-Ireland uh, champions, you know, how they stuck at it and, you know, how they got the, the crucial goal at the at the vital stage. Derek McGrath said it there when I put it to him. Look, I don't think I'd agree necessarily that we went 15 on 15, but certainly, Ursula, they were a bit more Orthodox. Can you explain to us what way Waterford lined out and what was so different about the way they played yesterday as compared to how they've played in big games over the last year or two? Well, definitely the major change in, in Waterford's style of play yesterday, their use and the, their intelligence with the ball was a lot more prominent yesterday. You know, we've seen, you know, not to keep referring back to the Munster final, maybe, you know, these long, high-hitting hope balls into the full forward line. Whereas yesterday, you know, they, they seem to be using the kind of sharp passes that bit better. 
uh, and you know using the kind of space that they had in Crow Park and the likes of you know Park Manley and Austin Gleeson in the half forward line you know contributed massively to this like you know between the two of them you know I think it was 19 points scored between the two of them you know and this 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 helped, you know, the Waterford forwards uh, in particular. And, you know, it was nice to see that they were they were putting the pressure in on the Kilkenny backs. They were, you know, they weren't just allowing, you know, the likes of Paul Murphy and that, you know, time on the ball. They were getting in on the tackles. Their work rate was phenomenal yesterday. And, you know, Kevin Moore and Brick Walsh, you know, the, the real leaders on the team, you know, stood up to the, the Kilkenny defence yesterday and they, they really pushed up on them. Uh, and I think that was a massive difference. Seamus Hickey was on off the ball, the Limerick curler, and he said Kilkenny didn't play particularly well at times, but they kept making runs off the shoulders. They kept trying the hand passes. They didn't always work out. Now, they worked out at the uh, vital time for Walter Walsh's goal. Colin Fenley ploughed through. They worked the ball up from the back. They got it out to Walter. Walter with a fantastic finish. Is that the difference between Kilkenny and the other teams that even when it's not quite going well, they'll keep trying it and eventually it will happen? Well, look at the, you know they showed massive resilience and uh, character in the way that they you know they they kind of got that goal out out of nothing like you know Michael Fenley had hit a kind of loose ball into you know the, the Waterford defence and Jamie Barron you know who had a great game yesterday had made you know just a small error in you know in in laying the ball off and that's how I suppose the goal created uh, for Kilkenny and I suppose look we've said it for you know this year and years before this you know Kilkenny's ruthlessness you know give him one chance. You know, and they'll take it. And they did that yesterday. And, you know, whereas you look at, you know, Waterford, you know, in the first half, um, you know, Shane Bennett and then Kevin Moran in the second half, you know, with two maybe goal chances for, for Waterford. And, you know, if that had been the other way around, would Kilkenny have maybe, you know, uh, taken those chances? You know, so, but in fairness and credit to Waterford, you know, when Kilkenny got that goal, uh, Waterford could have, you know, um, you know, their confidence could have been affected and they, you know, they, they might have, you know, uh, dropped the heads in that. And in fairness, they plucked away and, you know, Park Manny got another point at, uh, free, you know, to, to, you know, to get them ahead by a point again. And obviously then Connor Fogarty got the equaliser. Regards Kilkenny and, you know, not completing passes and not at their fluent best for the bulk of the game. Was that down to their own performance? Was that down to the pressure that Waterford put on them? Or was it down to a mixture of the two? You know, it, it, it's it's a hard one to exactly put your finger on. And as per usual after the game, Brian Cody kind of didn't really get into it. He was generalising in his uh, comments ab- ab- about their performance. You wouldn't expect him to give anything away, but he certainly didn't. Yeah, I, I think it was a combination of the two, you know, definitely the pressure that Watford were exerting on to Kilkenny, uh, you know, was contributing to maybe some sloppy passes. But, you know, Kilkenny, you know, we always would say, you know, the ball that they hit into their forwards and their use of the ball around the middle of the field and that, you know, is, is usually up there at the, the top level all the time. Whereas yesterday, you know, you, we, we could see some sloppy passes and, you know, like Padraig Walsh hit, you know, a bad ball into the, the forwards and it went out over the end line in the first half. You know, usually he'd be using the ball that bit better. Uh, Killian Walsh as well, or Killian Buckley as well. Uh, you know, had a couple of bad, you know, uh, took the wrong option, I think, at times. And I suppose that did come down to the pressure that was being exerted onto Watford. Um, uh, but it'll be something that Brian Cody will be looking for a massive improvement, you know, on for the next day. You know, that he, he knows that now that Watford are going to be putting the same amount of pressure on the, the Kilkenny players and they will have to use the ball that bit better. The theory is that Kilkenny will kick on and Waterford have blown their chance. Dahi Regan, former Offaly hurler, doesn't think that that is the case though. This is what he told off the ball. 
I think Waterford in a really good place. And Will tiredness come into it? N- not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. Their goal is to win an All-Ireland final. They've brought the reigning All-Ireland champions to the edge, showed them what it was like over it, and I think next week they're going to push them over. Uh, what I've seen from Waterford, they'll replicate, they'll increase it, and I think Kilkenny will say all the right things. I think they're an extraordinary bunch, and we've known this. I honestly believe the time has come for this Waterford team. What I've seen today, yeah. I think, is phenomenal. And I could be wrong. It's an opinion. But I, I think they'll push Kilkenny over the edge next week, and I think we're looking at the start of a, of, of a serious, serious Waterford team. It's a big, big statement from Dahi Regan. Ursula Jacob, do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think Waterford are going in, uh, you know, uh, in a positive frame of mind ahead of next week. You know, straight away after the match, you could see from Derek McGrath and the players and that, you know, they, 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 you know, they'll obviously have the initial disappointment, maybe that they didn't win yesterday, but they still can take great confidence and everything. And if you can, if you, if you listen to Derek and that speaking after the game, you know, there's constant positive reinforcement constant belief and, and confidence in his own players and the setup. And Watford now know that they can compete with, with Kilkenny. Fair enough they didn't win win the game yesterday, but they didn't lose it either. And they won't mind going to Tarlis to, to you know to replay this match. They they you know they are well used to playing in, in the stadium in, in Tarlis. The pitch suits them. Um, I don't think tiredness and fatigue are going to come into into you know Watford's kind of um, game you know in the next six days, you know, I think Watford are going to prepare, get the bodies right over the next couple of days and then look forward to, you know, uh, uh, playing Kilkenny again. Because, look, at you know, th- there's no real pressure on them again. They, 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 if they go out and express themselves the way they have yesterday, you know, they, they'll take great confidence from that. You know, obviously they'll have a few things they'll, they'll want to work on in the next couple of days, but, you know, they, they know they can compete with, with Kilkenny now. It certainly is a mouth-watering tie and a mouth-watering occasion next Saturday evening in Thurles. Um I know we're a couple of days away. I know there's variables to consider, but if you were to call a winner at this stage, Ursula? Um, I, 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 I think I, I, you know, I'm going to agree with Dahi. I think Wasper can edge this, uh, this replay. Um, I obviously know that Kilkenny are really going to you know, other performance, you know, from, from yesterday, you know, TJ Reid, you know, was very consistent on the field, but from open play, maybe, you know, he, he, he wasn't yeah. uh, influential, you know, so it's, it's going to be up to Waterford playing. Is it hard to believe, Ursula, that he'll be that uninfluential again from play? Generally, with Kilkenny players, if they have a quiet game, they bounce back the next day. Yeah, I suppose that, that would be a worry and a concern from a Watford point of view that, you know, TJ, you know, scored his threes and they were very good in that. But, you know, from open play, maybe there wasn't, uh, there wasn't, you know, as much coming from him. But, you know, the thing is, that's a credit to Watford's defence too. But, you know, in saying that, you know, uh, when TJ didn't get the scores, you know, Richie Hogan stepped up, Walter Walsh got the goal, Connor Fogarty got two great points. So, Watford know they can't consume themselves just with, with TJ Reid either, um, you know, but obviously he's a massive player and I don't know, I don't think he'll be maybe as quiet as he was yesterday from open play. I, I think they'll be looking to get him more into the game uh, and that's something that Brian, uh, Brian Cody will probably be looking at in the next couple of days. And does it make it harder or easier for Kilkenny to prepare the fact that they know that Waterford may push up on their puckouts and they might do it for 70 minutes this time around, depending on how close or otherwise the game is? Yeah, like I, I suppose, you know, the the thing in the last couple of minutes, you know, Watford 
maybe retrieve back to bringing back all their players and that's how maybe it led to Conor Fogarty's equalising point because Watford, you know, kind of reverted back to bringing back the players, trying to crowd the Kilkenny forwards. But, you know, Derek will know that he, you know, they'll have to try to stick at their, their game plan that they had yesterday by pushing up onto the Kilkenny defence and the midfielders. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Brian Cody will be, you know, trying to counteract that obviously as well. Uh, and he'll be wary that, you know, Watford competed very good, uh, you know, from the Kilkenny puckouts and their aerial ability yesterday. You know, some of the greatest catches I've ever seen from both teams, you know, happened yesterday. And, you know, that's something maybe that Kilkenny had the edge over other teams in the past, that they were so strong physically in the air, uh, you know, that they were winning their own puckouts, they were winning the opposition puckouts, whereas Watford, you know, in fairness to them, we're competing very good, you know, with the aerial, aerial ball. So maybe yeah. Kilkenny will have to change their tactics from, from the puck-out point of view as well. And just before we leave this game, um, for Waterford, you mentioned that they dropped deep in the last 10 minutes. It's something Derek McGrath spoke about as well. How much of that is just burnt into their brain from the way they've played over the last couple of years? And how difficult is it to, to learn that lesson with a six-day turnaround only? I mean, could you see it next week happening that Waterford might drop deep just out of sheer force of habit I mean when you're on the pitch how difficult is it to break habits like that yeah you know like it's something that they've become accustomed to and used to and you know you could see that it, it, it kind of crept into their game in the last seven or eight minutes and it's probably one of the only critical points you can say about the Waterford performance yesterday that they kind of reverted back to that style of play but if Derry can kind of you know push it um push it into their minds kind of in the next couple of days that if they can just keep, you know, tagging away at what they were doing up to, you know, the kind of 60, 62 minutes in the game, you know, and add that on for another eight or nine minutes, you know, they were so close to, to you know, to beating Kilkenny. And yeah. I suppose, you know, you're right. It's kind of the force of habit that, you know, it kind of crept into their game. And it's kind of, it's players' responsibility as much as management responsibility because, you know, as I heard one of the commentators say, you know, Derek and them can't control everything from the sidelines. It's, it's very difficult, you know. You've forty, fifty thousand people in the in the crowd, and you know Derek is not going to be able to control everything in the way that the players, uh, you know, play. So yeah. it's up to maybe some of the leaders on the field to, you know, uh, communicate it as much as they can and stick to what you know they were doing yesterday for three quarters of the game. Ursula, I want to talk to you about the semi-final next Sunday, but before that, I want to talk to you about the Liberty Insurance Camogie semi-finals this Saturday. There's a double header: Galway taking on Kilkenny at one thirty, Cork taking on Wexford at quarter past three. It's due to take place in Nolan Park. I know that we're getting you just before you fill in a piece for Camogie.ie previewing the matches. There is talk that this double header could move to Thurles and make the Waterford Kilkenny All Ireland semi-final replay a triple header with these two games. Would that be a good thing for these two games, for the Camogie uh, matches? Yeah, I, I, I seen it late last night myself that they're looking into the possibility of the triple header and I think it, it will be a you know a, a really positive move for Camogie uh, if they can get the, the Camogie games on you know in front of the Hurling. It'd be a great showca- showcase for, for the game of Camogie and it'd be such a positive you know um, thing for so many neutrals to even see the, the game of Camogie and you know the four teams that are left in the competition Galway, Wexford, Kilkenny and Cork you know they're the top four teams in the in the country and 
some of the best camogie players in Ireland are going to be out there and it would be great you know, for them to be able to play uh, in front of, you know, a big crowd. Because look at, you know, obviously Kilkenny are involved in the Camogie in Ireland and you've the links with, you know, John Joe Farrell and his three sisters in, involved with Kilkenny. So it would be nice to, you know, to have the two Camogie games on uh, ahead of the Hurling. So I suppose we'll probably find out later on today if if, if that's going to happen. Regards the games themselves, um, we'll start with Galway against Kilkenny. These are two teams who've been around the fringes over the last couple of years. Yes, they haven't dominated like Cork and Wexford, but they have been consistently good. Yeah, you know, uh, looking at it, like Galway and Kilkenny have been there, thereabouts uh, in the last number of years. You know, uh, Galway are actually in their 16th consecutive All-Ireland semi-final appearance. So that's, that's a credit to them, how consistently uh, they've performed over the years. Now, Kilkenny will be looking to get back into a, a, another All-Ireland under Anne Downey. Uh, interestingly enough, Anne, uh, you know, uh, Kilkenny won the last uh, All Ireland in 1994, and Anne was the captain that year. So there's a bit of link between, you know, the last uh, Kilkenny winning team. But unfortunately, since that, you know, 22 years ago, Kilkenny have lost six All Ireland finals. So you know, Anne this year is really trying to get Kilkenny back onto the big stage, and I think it's going to be really a close encounter between the two. You know, Kilkenny were victorious in the league final against Galway. Um, you know, Galway really underperformed that day and you know I suppose Galway got some sort of revenge in the final group stage beating Kilkenny in that game by five points so you know I think it's going to be a very even game uh, but I think the extra game that Kilkenny got in the All-Ireland quarterfinal against Offaly uh, is going to stand to them um, you know they've made a couple of positional switches in their team and I think this has really stood to them um, but I know I know Galway are really going to put it up to them but I, I think uh, Kilkenny are going to sneak it by a couple of points at quarter past three, Cork against Wexford, two old rivals meet. Yeah, you know, it's going to be another massive game for both uh, for both Cork and Wexford. You know, Cork are, are, are going for the, the three in a row this year. They're looking to reach their fourth, you know, consecutive All-Ireland final. Uh, Wexford, I suppose, you know, are probably still hurting that bit from last year when they narrowly lost to Galway in the All-Ireland semi-final. Uh, interestingly enough as well, Cork and Wexford met in the group stages this year of the championship and Wexford won that one by one nine to nine points. Uh, Una it was Lacey, a horrific day, wasn't it? It was like a, um, watching yeah. a pre-season game in January. The weather was really horrible in Wexford Park. Yeah. In a bit Wexford a, Park, sorry. It, it was really, it was really tough conditions that day and, you know, uh, Wexford had a strong wind in the second half and I suppose they uh, they were, you know, looking to get a kind of score to edge and pass the, uh, Cork that day because it was looking like it was going to a draw and you know uh, Kay Kelly hit a great sideline ball into Una Lacey and she got she got a screamer of her goal and you know Una has consistently be get, been getting you know seven eight goals this year in the championship so far so you know Wexford are going to be really targeting that again this year now I suppose Wexford in the last three years have beaten Cork in the group stages but you know they you know Wexford two years ago then you know lost to Cork in the All-Ireland semi-final replay so they'll be looking to you know, beat Cork when it really matters, you know, in the knockout stages. But, you know, Cork are still such a formidable team. You know, you've Jim O'Connor there at the, the heart of the defence in centre-back and you've Rena Buckley and Breach Corkery, still massive players, both for the ladies footballers and the Camogie team. And, you know, you have some of the new newer girls on, on the team, like Amy O'Connor in the forwards, you know, uh, an ex-Irish international soccer player. So, you know, you've got, you know, a mix of youth and experience with Cork. Um, and the same at Wexford and you know Wexford were very t- lucky to come through the test against Tipperary in the All-Ireland quarter-final but I think they're going to learn a lot from that 
Uh, and I do think the extra game is going to help, you know, Wexford that bit as well. So I'm going to stick with my own and I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to push for Wexford in, in that game as well. Ursula, one last question before we go. Moving on to Sunday, Galway against Tipperary in the All-Ireland Senior Semi-Final. Do you expect a game like last year's semi-final, a straight, out, uh, a straight up shootout? Or, or what kind of match are you expecting? Yeah, I think it's going to be a high-scoring game like last year. I think there's probably going to be, uh, you know, a few go- a few goals from either team. Um, obviously, you know, like, look, we all know what Seamus Callanan did last year and God, we are going to be looking to close down on him in particular. But, you know, in saying that, they, they're going to have to be mindful, you know, of the likes of John McGrath, who's having a great season this year, uh, and cutting down that goal trek for... For um, for Tipperary now, Galway are going to take great confidence uh, after you know beating Clare significantly in the in the previous game, and they're they're you know I think it's going to be another tight tense affair, and I'm hoping it's going to be like you know Watford and Kilkenny's game you know yesterday. You know both teams expressing themselves, going out to hurl, uh, and I think it will be a high scoring game, and I think there might be only a puck of the ball between between the two teams as well. Former All-Ireland winner with Wexford, Ursula Jacob. Really appreciate your time as always. Thanks for joining us on uh, the News Talk Rewind podcast. No bother. So that's the hurling, but what about the football over the weekend? Mayo overcoming Tyrone 13 points to 12. It was a tight encounter in Dublin, beating Donegal 115 to 110. Before we hear from the Irish Sun's GA reporter, Jason Byrne, here is Mayo manager, Stephen Rochford. Yeah, satisfied. Certainly, um, I suppose you know quarterfinals, semi-finals are, uh, and, and 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 certainly through the qualifiers, it was about getting um, performances in, and um, you know we didn't always do that, um, but I think we put in um, a really hard working performance today, and you know we didn't necessarily play all the the quality of football that we'd like, but you know certainly we we continue to be a work in progress, but you know we've got another day to to, to improve on. Yeah, you were willing to team play the game on their terms in the sense that you knew tactically how they were going to set up and you were willing to mimic them and match them for that and you were you were very very good at that at times and you saw in the second half with the likes of Lee Keegan getting forward and kicking big scores was that something you talked a lot about during the week? Um, yeah look we, we knew uh, you need to be patient very patient in relation to playing Tyrone they have a very very set structure and zonal uh, set up um, you know we were we, we, we were confident that we would look to create uh, opportunities there but um, you know it's, 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 it's that discipline to stay to, to, to what you're being, uh, being asked and um, thought the lads did that and um, you know I would probably disappointed midway through the second half there we um, we didn't kick off we went two points up and we had an opportunity or two to, to kick on and maybe you know levels of confidence weren't quite as high as they as they would be you know coming through the qualifiers we, we hadn't kicked into the gears that we know that we were capable of and I think you know what, what, what today's win will hopefully do will you know give us that element of confidence now to drive on because we have a big big quarter, uh, semi-final coming up Jason, as per usual, a manager who's um, going on in the championship doesn't give away too much. But in speaking to Mossy Quinn there, Stephen Rochford seemed very happy with the effort and I suppose resilience that his team showed in their win over Tyrone. Yeah, 100%. Oshin, like, and the thing about it is a lot of people uh, before the game on Saturday, including myself, predicted that Tyrone would come through that game. Maybe not comfortably, but that Tyrone would certainly reach uh, the All-Ireland semi-finals and, you know, really challenge for Sam Maguire this year, but it proved not to be the case. Um, you know, the chips were down and Mayo had to deliver and they really, really did. They showed great resolve and they showed great fight and determination and the hunger that they had from 1 to 15 was just absolutely incredible. I thought Lee Keegan was superb. Tyrone tried to target Aidan O'Shea and getting his face. It didn't work. He he just seemed like a man possessed again. Killian O'Connor got some great scores. Jeremy O'Connor showed how much of an important man he is to the team after, of course, he missed the game against Westmead. Like, 
it looks like this qualifier run could have suited me washing. Uh, you know, bree- breezing through Connacht five years in a row uh, wouldn't have done them that much that much good coming into the All-Ireland series. But, you know, the ground out results coming through the back door against Fermanagh, Kildare and Westmeath. And uh, when they finally got into Croke Park, they, they really hit the ground running and um, they, they really they, they beat Tyrone and, I think Mickey Hart got it wrong in a lot of ways too. Um, yeah, did Jim McGuinness actually raised a, Yeah, Jim McGuinness yeah. actually raised a really interesting point on Sky Sports. He said that Mayo kind of matched Tyrone, and Tyrone Mayo essentially he said saw what Tyrone did in their last couple of games and matched them and set up tactically to counteract that. Whereas Tyrone just set up the way Tyrone always do, and they didn't really look at Mayo when preparing for the game. They just did their own thing. Yeah, I would, I would have to, I would have to agree with that. Like, and the the most disappointing aspect from the drone point of view was that the way they normally uh, counter attack, they, they didn't seem to produce that at all on Saturday. Uh, you know, going at teams at pace when they turned the ball over, and Mayo just seemed to to stop that and cut that out. And you know, Mayo went into that game with nothing to lose. They were complete underdogs. It was the first time they'd been underdogs uh, coming into a championship game all summer, uh, and that includes, of course, the Galway game in Connacht, where, where they where they were shocked in Castlebar at the start of the year. So, um, you know, they had absolutely nothing to lose, and I really do think Mickey Hart got it wrong, and maybe he didn't give Tyrone the the respect that they deserved when he saw teams like Fermanagh uh, going down to Castlebar and giving them a real run for their money, and Galway, of course, beating them and. Uh, we all see what we all saw what happened to Galway after that against Tipperary, but um, it, it's very hard to put your finger on what happened to Tyrone. You know, um, they they seemed like a real team possessed this year, going out to to get the Ulster title after six years without winning it. They really wanted to go out and and get Donegal, and maybe they didn't move on from that enough. Maybe it was over celebrated. Who knows? Um, the big thing now for Tyrone is I think if Sean Cavan is going to stay on or not Oshin because yeah. he hinted uh, towards the end of the league I think we spoke to him before the Division 2 final against Cavan that this could well possibly be his last year but he certainly will not want to end a fantastic inter-county football career on that note um, and we saw how important he still harsh, is for Tyrone yeah. because if he was on mm-hmm. for that last 10 minutes look we'll never know for certain but they may well have won it because it was bad decision making and an unsteadiness that really cost them in the, la- in the last 10 minutes and you get the sense that if Sean Cavanaugh was on he would have made the right thing happen either by doing it himself or by just being a calm presence on the pitch Exactly because we saw him do that in the Ulster final against Donegal when they were a couple of points down and the, the clock was was running against them like he, it was him that steadied the ship and grabbed the game by the scruff of the neck and kicked a, a fantastic point that, that you know, proved to be proved to be crucial as Tyrone went on to win the game and you would have to think that if he was on the pitch uh, for those final stages that he really could have steadied the ship and organised them a bit and you know some of the some of the shot selection at the end was quite poor you know Darren McCurry had a bad wade Neil Morgan clearly wasn't cutting it from the freeze Tyrone have been a bit all over the shop with their free takers this year um, you know and it's, it's very hard to put your finger on it as I said what what went wrong for them and, and you are right if Sean Cavanagh had been on the pitch for those latter stages it could have been a very very different story for them but unfortunately it wasn't to be and I do think he was hard done by by the by the referee and decisions and we saw that in the second game against Dublin as well between Dublin and Donegal sorry yeah we'll move on to that in a second but what about Mayo their semi-final is up is, is against Tipperary and look Mayo will be odds on favourites for this but but the way Tip play they have a chance don't they oh absolutely I mean, like 
against against Galway. I thought Tip were fantastic. Um, they just have absolutely no fear, and I think that's the the most impressive thing about them. Um, they go about their business. They don't they don't really seem to care what people think or or how people write them off. Um, the only bad day they had at the office in the championship was that monster final against Kerry when maybe the occasion did get to them a bit. Like nobody gave them a hope in hell of beating Cork. Uh, you know they were. They were really put up against it when they had to go all the way to Cavan to face Derry in the qualifiers, and they went up there and got the job done. That was one of the games in the year. And coming into Galway, coming into the Galway game in the in the quarterfinal last weekend, again nobody gave them a hope. And you know, they they played like they played some football that you know you would see the Barcelona soccer team being proud of. Yeah. Every time they went forward, they looked like they were going to get a goal. They carved Galway open time and time again, and they could have won that game by a lot more. And We're heading up to the Tipperary Press night tonight, actually, in, uh, in Thurlis, and I'm looking forward to to hearing what uh, Liam Cairns has to say because he's a very interesting character. And, um, because he doesn't hold back, you know, does he? he? He doesn't hide the fact that he was very displeased with some of the punditry before the Galway game and the Derry game, he was actually really irritated that his team were written off so badly and so much. Yeah, yeah, like he's he's a breath of fresh air in terms of his honesty as well and he's a very passionate football man and you can you can really tell that. Um, you know, and like I have no doubt that, that Liam would have nailed some of those articles to the dressing room wall and he would have relayed those comments uh, to his players on the, on the training ground time and time again. And, you know, he, the, like those... Those flames are only going to be fanned again in the next couple of weeks when everyone's going to write them off against Mayo because I think people are going to write them off. But I don't think you can write this temporary team off at this at this, at this stage. Like they're in the All Ireland semi final in merit. They've played fantastic football along the way. They've got some serious footballers. Uh, Peter Atchison, captain. Um, you know, I, I know lads that played with him before in America, and they say he's such a leader. He's so dedicated and. You know, you have other fellas like Philip Austin, Michael Quinlan, Robbie Kiley there at the back. Like the, these lads are all like these, these guys aren't bad players by any stretch of the imagination. And there's a reason why this team are in the All Ireland semi final. And you know, Mayo certainly can't take them for granted. And that's it's it's a big big danger for Mayo this game because of the fact the Tipperary have been using these motivations all year long, and they're only going to get to use them now again coming into that semi final. Let's talk about the second quarter final last Saturday. Dublin beating Donegal 115 to 110. Professional as I am, Jason, I brought my phone into studio and that's the little kind of vibrating noise you heard a couple of seconds ago. But you know what? I'm glad I made the mistake because that vibration was an email coming in and it's from a bookmakers that has Dublin 4 to 5 to retain the Sam Maguire. Are you more or less convinced about Dublin following their display against Donegal on Saturday? I think so, Washington. I actually think that's a great price as well, if anyone wants to get on that. But um, uh, look, they, that that game will bring them on leaps and bounds. You know, that was the test that they wanted coming into the game against Kerry. And Dublin have really got the noose around Kerry uh, in the last couple of years. And, you know, in the All-Ireland final last year, I thought Dublin could have won that game by a lot more, even though it was 12 points to nine, there was no goals. I think the conditions... Uh, didn't favour either team on the day, of course, but I think with better conditions, Dublin could have could have really coasted clear in the final last September. Um, you know, to to still win by five points and finish the game with thirteen men just says it all. And I'm sure the county board will be appealing. Uh, they'll certainly be appealing the O'Gara red card because they thought mm. that was incredibly harsh. When you see the, the it's harsh, Jason. It's harsh. Away, it's harsh. You're right, but it is a strike, isn't it? I mean, and the rules are the rules. They're quite clear. Yeah, the letter into the law, yeah, and I think I think the umpires kind of one of the umpires seeing it maybe from a certain angle, uh, it didn't work in his favour either. But 
when you see some of the other hits them and then like it's you know it's it's very disappointing for a player like that to, to possibly miss out in an all Ireland semi final because I was chatting to actually chatting to Bernard Brogan this morning and he was saying that you know it's it's very disappointing for him because he was just kind of starting to make his mark on the team you know so um you know like the the, the punishment doesn't fit the crime and no. you know I actually hope he he does get cleared Jeremy Connolly ooh, don't want to uh, comment too much on that one but uh uh you know he. You know, maybe Jim Gavin's right as well. Maybe he was targeted again, and you know that that happens. Big players like it, it happens. Donegal's Michael Murphy. It happens. Jerry Aiden O'Shea's or Sean Cavanaugh's, and we saw that a lot again over the weekend. And Tomas O'Shea said in the Sunday game last night that it's it's creeping into our game, and you know you you certainly have to agree. Um, and Alan Brogan actually out. said it today as well, didn't he? He tweeted about. Um, players being targeted he basically said look it happens all the time I don't want to paraphrase him too much actually because I, I know he tweeted but I don't remember the exact wording but his, um, his basic point was it happens to players and surely punishment has to be given to the guys who start this the instigators because that's as bad as the reaction and that's maybe the next thing that the officials are going to look at we have the, these issues every year there's always some issue every year and this year it seems to be the good players like Aiden O'Shea, Bernard Brogan possibly, O'Gara when he came on, Diarmuid Connolly, it's happened to him a couple of times, being wound up and targeted. Yeah, and like it's 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 really not fair. And I'm like, and you can see these players getting frustrated, and that's probably why Michael Murphy maybe left a hand in for for his challenge. And you know, it's why it's why you see boys like Aiden O'Shea getting very frustrated as well. And you can see really see Aiden O'Shea venting some of his frustration at the whistle with his celebrations the last day. Like you know he. You know he'd been winding up the entire game. Tyrone were really in his face, roaring at him, and you know there's a lot of sledging and that that, that, that goes into Gemma Connolly's ear. And it, it can't be easy for these guys. There's enough pressure on them already to perform in, in big championship games, and especially on, on the likes of Saturday with a, a full house at Croke Park and games live and TV, and and you know half the world watching. So uh, it is a big worry, and I'm, I'm sure the the powers that be at Croke Park will be sitting down to kind of. Uh, brief referees and, and how to deal with this better and maybe cut it out from the word go because um, you know this starts before the ball's even thrown in at times in matches you see it all yeah. the time and uh, it is very worrying especially when you consider that uh, you know a lot of young players were in Crook Park the other day a lot of young uh, kids growing up playing the game would have would have been watching it on TV and whatnot. and you, you don't you don't want this to become a, a bit of an epidemic and a bit of a problem because it's not the road we want to go down I guess that's the discussion point after the game and it generally is when they're sending off in incidents like that but what about Dublin's actual tactics and set up and play? Um, it was interesting tactics sometimes like I thought you know <laughs> Donegal supporters were booing Dublin at times when they when they kind of just opted to keep the ball and go a bit lateral but mm. uh, you know Dublin are even better th- than what they showed the last day and maybe they're not maybe they're not at the, the the powers that they were at last year, but I can certainly see Sam Maguire staying put, Oshin, um, you know, just the, the resources they have and all the talk about their defence and their full-back lane and the three All-Stars being missing on Saturday, like yeah. McCarthy will be back for the semi-final, you would think, regardless. Um, you know, they did, they did concede a goal. They were cut, up, cut open for Ryan McHugh's goal um, in that second half, but, you know, they've conceded goals in other games as well and, I, I just think I just think they have they have they have too much for for anyone else that's yeah. out there at the minute. Um, but again, it could be it could be wide open for um, for a shock. Like, but I th- I certainly think Dublin will will beat Kerry. Um, yeah. Does Kerry team aren't aren't the Kerry teams we saw in the past? Um, will that come down to legs, Jason? 
It it definitely could, Oshin, because I think the game on Saturday came down to legs, you know. Um, we're going to see a lot of those Donegal players walking away now. Colin McFadden's already gone. Rory Cavanaugh will probably go. Neil Gallagher will probably go. His back hasn't been right all year. Christy Toyle will probably go. So, um, Kerry maybe aren't in that same age bracket uh, in terms of legs, but um, Dublin will have the legs to, to beat them in the All-Ireland semi-final. I would certainly think so. Um you know, they, they dispose of them easily in the league earlier this year as well in, in the final. And um, I know league form goes out the window in this championship, certainly proved that. But, um, you know, when, yeah. when it comes down to Kerry Dublin and, and lately, and when you put them down uh, on paper, both teams down on paper, like it's very hard to see Dublin losing that game. And I'm sure them being two traditional powerhouses of the game who respect football and nothing else, there will be no winding up, there'll be no targeting, there'll be no underhand stuff. Of course there won't. You know there won't, Jason. No, absolutely, absolutely you know, We didn't not. see any of it in the final last September. <laughs> no, not didn't. at all. I, it was funny, actually, because no. Eamon Fitzmaurice, and I forget when he said this, it might have been after the league game, said that referees need to protect Kieran Donaghy a bit more. And Joe Brawley had a laugh at this in the Sunday Independent, saying, that's hilarious when you consider that the Kerry players put a saddle on Michael Murphy in the All-Ireland final a couple of years ago. It'll be interesting to see where Donaghy is deployed in this game. Won't it? Probably at full forward, because again, to mention the term legs, he's probably not ideal for midfield. But maybe they'll spring a surprise. Yeah, you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know where they'd put him on. I'm, I'm sure he'd he'd like to go in and get in Philly McMahon's face again. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Yeah. Like that 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 Dublin midfield. Dublin have a lot of options in midfield, and um, I've been very impressed actually this year with Michael Darren McCauley. Um, you know, he was unlucky to be left out of the team at stages last year, and maybe Jim Gavin was giving him a bit of a kick up the backside to say, you know, there's no guarantees here. And, um, you know, Michael Dara has performed brilliantly and reacted really well to that. And a lot of people are forgetting, too, that he's had a very, very long year with, um, you know, with winning the club all Ireland. So, um, you know, he's he, he looks like he's at the peak of his powers at the minute. And, yep. you know, I thought, I thought he cleaned Donegal out of it a few times there on Saturday, too. Okay, Jason Byrne of the Irish Sun, thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. No problem, Martin. So that's the Gaelic football. Now to the Association football. Paddy Mulligan has played both. Paddy Mulligan, formerly of Chelsea, Ireland, Shamrock Rovers, West Brom, Crystal Palace, to name just a few. Welcome back. I thank you very much indeed, Oshin. Uh, lovely to see you now. And you're 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 buoyant after yesterday. I'm relatively buoyant. Relatively, yes. That's more that's more like it. I don't buy the argument that Waterford have blown their chance. What do you think? I'd be a little bit concerned in that they played so well yesterday and quite a few of the Kenny top players were not on song at all. Now, can, can Waterford replicate what they what they did yesterday? And and will Kilkenny not improve? Now, if to me, Kilkenny are, are not, obviously not the team they were four or five years back yeah. because they've lost so many smashing players. Um, but... Uh, it's still it's still going to be a big ask for Waterford, and Waterford are going to have to have to bring their 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 top game to the table again because Kilkenny Kilkenny just don't go away. That's the that's the nature of them. That's always that's always been a Kilkenny team, but uh, all of my lifetime, you know. And you know that better Tosi. than anyone because oh, you're a Galway man. You've exactly, seen it twice in the last year, the Leinster final this oh, year, and yeah, the All Ireland final last look, year. Look at from 2012. Yep. You know, having having had a wonderful victory in the in the, in the Leinster final, then Galway going blow in the All Ireland final. Uh, and and you, you give Kilkenny credit because they're such magnificent players, and they never they never say die, and they get goals out of nothing. They've done it, you know. I remember the the, the great Sean Clausey playing for them in in, in the fifties. Mm. No, they were getting last second goals and, and winning by a point or winning by two points. But look at that's what that's what they do in Kilkenny, and and that's always a sign of of, of a great. Team. You had a very long career, but who were the team that were just unbeatable? They always bounced back. They always found a way. Who was that team for you in football? 
in football, Galway footballers in the 60s, believe it or not. No, I mean soccer, sorry. Oh, sorry, I beg your yeah. pardon. From your own career. Um, Man United. Man United were never, were never ever beaten. Liverpool. Liverpool were absolutely yeah. magnificent. You'd in the get, 70s and 80s? Oh, you'd go uh, in, in the late 60s, 70s, 80s, you'd, yeah. you'd go to Anfield and you wouldn't get over the halfway line. I'm not, I am not exaggerating. You would not. We, we, at Chelsea, we went to Anfield in 1970 and we could not get across that halfway line the first half. They're leading 2 or 3 nothing at half-time. Game is And game do is you over. see similarities between that Liverpool team and this Kilkenny team? And if so, what are they? Yeah, the similarities are the, the, the never-say-die spirit. They never lose their composure. They never lose their shape or their balance. And they keep doing the simple things and they keep doing it well. And they beli- they've got wonderful belief in that they know that it's going yeah. to come right at, at, at some stage and, and they've got patience with a capital P and that's that's the whole secret. They don't, when, when, when sometimes when teams are chasing a game, all, everything goes out the window. One player thinks he can win it. Another player thinks, oh, well, maybe I can win it. But no, Kilkenny yeah. and the Liverpool team of, 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 of that era were, 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 were absolutely perfection in so much that they, they held the line, they kept their balance, they kept their shape and never panicked. And they have a common trait or they have something very much in common iconic managers that Liverpool team and this Kilkenny team oh yes I mean Shankly Shankly was magnificent uh, how much does that have to do with it oh it's got a great deal because uh, they're they're the people who set the tone they're the people who who, who have you in training every day and they're looking at you and they're monitoring just what progress you're making and what progress you're not making if you're not performing uh, you're on your way it's as simple as that and and Brian Cody is very much the same Brian Cody's been a magnificent manager what is it 18 or 19 years now with Kilkenny it's, it's, it's it's just quite incredible yeah, um, let's talk about the football over the weekend. Manchester United getting a two-one win against Leicester in the Community Shield. I'm just about used to not calling it the Charity Shield anymore. Yeah, no more than myself. Um, they have signed Pogba. It looks like it's going to be signed, sealed, and delivered in the uh, next day or so. It'll cost them in or around 100 million euro. Actually, probably north of that. Uh, this is what Jose had to say. What is expensive and not expensive in football? I don't know anymore. I just know that he's a big player that is going for sure to be important for a, a big club like Man United. How big is he? How important is he? Is he worth the money? Not in a million years he worth the money. And, and I, I saw a lot of him in Serie A last year playing for Juventus. And, and uh, I was not, I was not uh, enamoured with him at all. And certainly in the Euros, and people will make the excuse, oh, well, he wasn't playing the right position and so on. Look, at, if he's got football intelligence, it doesn't matter what position he's playing in, he'll know when to make that run, he'll know when to make that tackle, he'll know when to give that ball. And, and now and again he hit a, a 40 or 50 yard ball uh, uh, of a wonderful pass mm. but that was only now and again he needs to be doing an awful lot more uh, as, as far as I would be concerned and, he, and the pace of the Premier League may not suit him and that's going to be that's going to be another consideration so we'll, we'll wait and see but I certainly wouldn't be spending any money on him uh, to be perfectly honest with you because when he, when he should have stood up for the French and quite a few occasions last year when he should have stood up for, uh, for Juventus as well he was found wanting so uh, Mourinho is going to have to get 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 onto his mental attitude because he seems to me to be a, he's got a lazy mind hmm. and and when when he's not when he's not contr- when he's not controlling the game which is which is which is which is very rare for him to control the game and that's a, that's another that's another huge concern. Mourinho doesn't like dudes who sit back. He likes guys who work hard. I mean, he is known as a manager who runs his players into the ground. So yeah, it actually requires, from what you're saying, it seems to be the case that it requires a complete mindset change from Pogba to play. 
under Mourinho, Mourinho yet yeah. this is a Mourinho signing like he's driving this so yes, yeah, he obviously well, he, believes he can get that out of Pogba, he, he, Pogba. He, well, see Mourinho always believes he can get the very best out of, out of players that's why, that's why he takes them on you know at Chelsea uh, the year before that's when they won the league uh, Eden Hazard played out of his skin for, for, for the whole year Costa was magnificent you know and then last year there was nothing happening so it it it, it went to f- it went to full circle, but there's no question about it that Mourinho has a way with him. That you know when he when he was, when he was at Inter Milan, every club he's been at, uh, Chelsea, Inter Milan, he, he he and Real Madrid, he's been magnificent because the players the players love him because they love they love his style of management mm. and and they they like him as, as a person as well. So now he's, I think he's going to have his work cut out with Pogba. He's going to have a lot of sleepless nights. I would I would think unless that Pogba yeah. changes attitude completely. And if he doesn't change that attitude completely, as quickly as he's in there, he'll be on his way again. Ibrahimovic has scored a couple of goals, granted in pre-season, but yes. is it important that he gets that kind of good start? Oh, it's very important. And it's important that he shows up each week as well. I mean, he, 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 welcome to the Premier League now in, in the next few weeks because it'll be it'll be the real football coming through probably from, from September to October. I know it's starting on, on, on Saturday, but uh, teams won't be match fit, uh, uh, so he, he'll get away with a few things in the first few games. But after four or five games, you know, the teams are going to uh, be hitting a, a decent level and and that's when questions are going to be asked of, of both Pogba and Ibrahimovic. But now, look, he's done very well, got a smashing goal yesterday. He was, he was there at the end that's what he, that, and that's what he's paid to do, go and stick the ball in the back of the net. But again, we have, we have an attitude problem as well uh, with him as far as I'm concerned. And if, if he decides that he's not going to show up, well, then he won't he won't bother showing up. But I would I would like to think that Mourinho... Uh, after after having his, his his nightmare at Chelsea, will have learned from the mistakes that he might have made, and will and will uh, therefore get the best out of Ibrahimovic. He got the best out of him at Inter Milan, albeit uh, five or six years ago, and th- that's perhaps the time that maybe Ibrahimovic should be looking to come to the Premier League and looking to come to Man United. He's thirty four years of age now. Can he do the whole season in the Premier League at at a really high level uh, of performance? And that, that remains the, the, the question. Manchester United open their campaign this Sunday against Bournemouth. It kicks off at 1.30. It's live and exclusive on Off The Ball. At 4 o'clock that day, we've got Arsenal against Liverpool. We will talk about Liverpool in just a while and maybe a bit on Arsenal as well. But first, let's talk about the Champions Leicester. It still feels weird saying that, the Champions Leicester. Pop the headphones back on because I want to play you this clip of Claudio Ranieri speaking after the 2-1 defeat in the uh, Community Shield against Manchester United. He was asked... Given that they're champions, what are his ambitions for this season? 40 points. <laughs> Don't laugh. <laughs> I restart with the same philosophy, with the same humility. That's it. I love this guy. I love him. I always oh, have. I've always been a fan yeah, of him. Yeah, like, like myself when he was at Chelsea. You know, I, yeah. think, I think he's absolutely brilliant. And, he, and he's quite right. Because what they did last, last, last season was absolutely remarkable. Take nothing away from Leicester. They fully deserved to go and win that league last season. And maybe with a bit of luck, they could, they could uh, go and win it again. I don't see them winning again. But I certainly don't see them down in, in, in mid-table. I see, them, I see them being right up there and having, having a right go. Because they are a very, very good team. And they've kept important players as well. I know they've lost Conte. But they've, they've kept the likes of, 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 of Vardy for instance and Thierry Henry has been given out about Vardy not going to Arsenal how could he refuse Arsenal he's not refusing Arsenal the football club Thierry for your information he's, he's, he's refusing the style of play and more than likely the, quad, the squad system because at Leicester mm. he he's refusing Wenger essentially yeah and he wants, he, wants, he wants to play every week there's no guarantee of that it's a different game it's a different total style of football that Leicester are playing to what Arsenal are playing I mean Vardy could make maybe 25 runs and not, get, and not get the ball. But at Leicester, he makes one run and he gets it. And that's and that's the big difference. So, 
the early on really you want to be looking at Vardy a little bit closer I think and the way that Leicester play and the way more importantly the way that Arsenal play seeing as you're a big fan and we'll get a look at the way Arsenal what he was saying that sort of yeah. coming out and having a bit of a cut at Vardy well how can you refuse Arsenal it's very easy to refuse Arsenal I mean he has done, he's done nothing with his back four for the past seven or eight years absolutely nothing and, he, and he's done nothing again this season yeah. and yet it's crying out for central defenders and, and for full backs and he's done nothing about it Let's talk about uh, Liverpool who play Arsenal this Sunday at four again, yes. live on Off the Ball. You watched Liverpool beat Barcelona 4-1 over the weekend. How excited are you by Liverpool? Even 4-0. Even 4-0, four nil. Four nil, sorry. Liverpool played, Liverpool played very, very well on Saturday, uh, on Saturday evening against uh, Barcelona. Barcelona were, were quite poor. Barcelona only back in training a week. And mm. uh, yes, they've played uh, uh, two games. But, but uh, in, in that week, he's, he's used an awful lot of, uh, of players. And... Um, the problem that I have with with friendly games is that that's exactly yeah. what they are. They're friendly games, and there's no real flying tackles going in. The Barcelona players, Manchester United, won pretty much all of their friendly games last, last year. Season. And so there what, you and go. Look, and look what happened to them. And, and Liverpool will be the same. Now I think they're in a better place uh, under Klopp now than they were uh, than they were this time last year. Uh, but having said all of that, they're going to have to get out and produce. And at the high intensity they played with uh, uh, last Saturday, they're going to have to uh, repeat that. Uh, all season long. Now Mane looks to be a real, a real fine because he's after slotting into that Liverpool team as if he was there all of his life, and that's what you, that's what you want from players. Instead of saying about players, oh, we'll give them a year to settle in. No, if you're a, if you're a good player, yeah. you settle in straight away. And Mane got got a wonderful goal, and his work his work ethic is absolutely brilliant, and he's forever available. Uh, and and Winslow as well. He's you know the two of them in midfield were just absolutely tremendous, and and uh, they were getting forward and they were getting back and they were getting their tackles in. But the most important thing for me was they were getting into that eighteen yard box, which which hasn't been happening for for midfield players at at Liverpool. So they'll be they'll be they'll be there or thereabouts. But I, I can't I can't see them uh, winning the, the the league. Unfortunately, I'd love to, love to see it, but I can't see them do that. And I'm sure you'd love to see Dundalk march on in Europe. They play oh, Legia Dundalk. Warsaw in the uh, yeah, Champions League. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a real it's a real dream, isn't it? It's, it's just like. Less it's it's it's, uh, it's magnificent. Well done, Stephen Kenny and the lads up there. It's it's been a magnificent performance, and and let's hope now this week that they they take care of Lecky as well. It's going to be a very very difficult game, because Polish teams are notoriously very very strong mentally yeah. and physically, and, and they they play decent football as well. So I, I would I would imagine that the knock are going to have their work cut out. Yeah. But look at it's it's there for them now. They're they're where they want to be. And uh, you know it, 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 it's only it's only progress from from here and in. And if they happen to to lose out, they're still in that Europa League, and they're still going to be getting getting uh, money yep. into into the club, which is which is of, of paramount importance. Also, they're playing next week. They play Braid this Wednesday night. They slipped up against Galway on Friday night, but yeah. that's understandable, isn't it? Oh yes, after after all of the hullabaloo of of of, of, of the game midweek, I mean they 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 couldn't possibly have come right back down to earth, mm. and, and 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 they were going down to Galway. Whatever chance they had of, of winning at Oriel at Oriel Park or in Tala, they had no chance of, of, of doing that in Galway. And then once once Galway got a got a foothold at all in the game, uh, they were going to put it up to the dock as any team would, because uh, you know when 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 you play a team that's had a good a uh, good performance in Europe. In, in, in midweek, you turn around and say, "Right here, we we we'll knock we we'll knock these off their perch now, and we'll, we'll see what they're made of." And that's yeah. what and that's what Galway did on on, on Friday night. Yeah. And and look at the dark lost their game, but look at they haven't lost any they haven't lost any fans. I can assure you because they're, oh, they're, they're, yeah. they've they're gained a few if anything. Oh yeah, they're, yeah. They're, they're a smashing team, no question about that. And they they'll bounce back and they'll take care of Brian Wednesday. I'm, I'm pretty sure of that. Okay, Paddy. Just before I let you go, Galway playing tip this Sunday. Oh, You're a yes, former trainer uh, of the Galway senior hurlers. How do you oh think it's going to go? Help us. Uh, it's going to be. It's going to be a very, very tight and tough game. Yeah. Uh, I would. I would imagine at, at, at this juncture. Um, 
Galway if 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 Galway and again we're always saying this if Galway play <laughs> to anything like their potential well look they can beat yeah. anybody well, that's the trick and Tip and, and Tip will, will play and Tip have, are, to me are playing a, a traditional style game they're getting that ball into their forward and very very quickly Callan is making run taking two defenders with him and leaving space for for, for O'Brien and the McGraths to, to, to go and get through and if Galway can nullify that well then they'll, they'll be on their way I've a, I've, a, I've a sneaking fancy that Galway just might get there just like last year yep. uh, uh, by, by the Shane Maloney point but let's hope it, let's hope it, um, it's not uh, it's not biting the fingernails time right up to the uh, 73rd or 75th minute but look if, if Galway win I'll take it but it's going to be a very very tough match and, and the team that wins it will know they've, they've been in battle if we thought that yesterday's game was good I think that this, uh, this game next Sunday is going to be a magnificent game of hurling and the minor game is going to be smashing as well yeah it will uh, be yeah, tipping Galway as well about that. tipping Galway also it's going to be a very very good two, two very very good teams Galway have yeah. nine nine survivors from last year and and uh, Tip will be smarting because Galway did them and, and did them well last year in the final. But uh, you know it's all it's, again it's all to play for and uh, I can always dream and wish and hope that it's a Galway double. But sure, I, yeah. I might be I might be building uh, uh, Sandcastles too early, especially after the footballers last uh, last Sunday against Tip. Well done, Tip too as well. Yeah, uh, smashing performance by them. But uh, Galway left the Galway footballers left an awful lot to be desired. But whoever look at take nothing away from Tip deserving winners and should have actually won by more because they could have had six or seven goals that's the worrying part of it from, from, from a Galway footballer uh, perspective Paddy Mulligan thank you very much for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk thank you Washington. Paddy Mulligan there he'll be back next week as the season gets underway as I say two live and exclusive Premier League matches on off the ball this Sunday Bournemouth taking on Manchester United at 1.30 at 4 o'clock it's Arsenal against Liverpool the show underway at 12 o'clock on Sunday they're underway at 1 o'clock on Saturday they're on air every night this week from 7 o'clock obviously this being a podcast not much point in covering the Olympics because it's moving so quickly but you can stay in touch with everything that's happening on newstalk.com forward slash sport don't forget on Wednesday of this week Dan and I will bring you the SSE Airtricity League podcast uh, for now, though, from myself, Oshin Langan, and everyone else, well, just me, really, because Raf isn't here today. But anyway, take care. Good luck. Bye bye.